Hey everyone, welcome back to Adherent Apologetics. Super pumped to join us today to have Dr. Michael Humer. He's a professor of philosophy at the University of Colorado in Boulder. He's talked about like literally like just like so many different things from like political philosophy, to, like veganism to uh, things like the mind and the soul and epistemology and all this stuff. Uh, so today we're going to talk about um, reincar- reincarnation and the mind and whatnot. So Mike, thanks for joining me. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm pretty good. I guess I'm a little scared because I didn't use your full title of Galactic Emperor, um, seeking all of those philosopher king powers against me or something, you know. But yes. it'll make it work. Yeah, don't don't worry. I I won't execute you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Good start to the interview. Um, yeah. So, do you want to talk a little bit, Mike, about like who you are and like what you do and things like that? Um, I'm a professor of philosophy at the University of Colorado in Boulder, and. Um, you know, like I've written, I've written 70 articles or something like that. And, um, I don't know, a bunch of books, you know, I've, I've lost count now. But anyway, I've written about, uh, epistemology, political philosophy, ethics, meta ethics, and a small amount of metaphysics. Yeah. Well, that's super cool, Mike. Um, what's it like over in Boulder? I, I have a lot of family that lives in Longmont, just North of you. And I've been to Boulder a gazillion times. Um, what, what's the Boulder life like right now? I'm just curious because I'm like, oh, you're over there. Uh, it's, a, it's a good town if you like um, if you like hiking. You know, it's a, it's a great place. Um, I'm in Denver, which is um, you know like uh, bigger, so we like we mm-hmm. like it better because it's it's a very nice, friendly, big city. And yeah. uh, right now it's kind of cold, so I don't know where you are. <laughs> I'm in Virginia, so it's it's cold, not as bad as you, but you know. Um, so. Besides we're talking about the geography of Colorado and Virginia today, we're going to talk about like your paper on souls and the reincarnation. Um, so what got your mind thinking about this topic, Mike? Because obviously you've written in a bunch of different areas, um, especially in like political like philosophy and epistemology. So what got you thinking about writing about like the soul and reincarnation? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, you know, so I thought about nature of consciousness for a long time, right? And like when I first started studying philosophy, I was hoping that um, I would find out why consciousness exists, but I never did find out um, because nobody else knew. But mm-hmm. anyway, what what made me think about the reincarnation argument uh, it was actually prompted by um, reading a book by Leonard Susskind called *The Cosmic Landscape*, in which he tries to he tries to make it plausible that there's a multiverse, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, like so there's whatever, maybe there's an infinite number of parallel universes. And then, you know, if that's true, then there are other universes in which there are people who look just like you, right? Who are as similar to you as you like, right? Mm -hmm. And so I started thinking about that. And then I started thinking, you know, um, I wonder why I'm not experiencing those people's lives, right? (laughs) And I sort of wondered if this was evidence against the multiverse theory. So, okay, but but anyway, but then I realized that, you know, in order to have multiple copies of you, you don't need a multiverse, you just need infinite time. So there could be multiple copies of you, you know, over time, even if there Mm -hmm. isn't a multiverse. And, you know, given that time is infinite at some time in the future, you know, like everything that has a non-zero probability will happen again. So at some time in the future, there will be another copy of you. Right. And so then I kind of started thinking if the other person who is like very similar to me in the future will literally be me. Right? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. And then, you know, I thought about it. There's like, uh, there's a surprisingly good argument that it is, it will be you. Mm-hmm. So in your view, Mike, like, is this something like when we're thinking about like the souls and reincarnation, is this something like that you're like, oh, this is definitely going to happen? Or you're like, ah, it's just a fun idea. Is it somewhere in the middle? Like, where are you with regards to like your thoughts on like, like this topic? Um, so like, I, don't, how I don't know. Are you? I don't know what the probability is. But I would say <laughs> I have an outright belief. Um, so um, I could be wrong. The main way I could think of that I could be wrong is, uh, you know, maybe the past is actually finite. And it is, mm-hmm. an, it is a premise of the argument that the past is infinite. Um, that's mm-hmm. the only thing that I think, you know, that, that is a likely place where the argument goes wrong. Um, okay. Well, that's super cool. And let's dive into this, Mike. So 
the first thing we want to talk about is like the idea of like, what is the soul? Um, so if I'm asking you like, Mike is the soul, what is the soul? What are you talking about here? Yeah. I mean, so like the way, the way this is typically used in um, Western philosophy is uh, okay. So there are mental states and there are physical states and the soul is the thing that has the mental states understood as a non-physical component of the person. Right. So there's a non-physical component of a person, which is the subject, the thing that has mental states and mental properties and stuff like that. And uh, it also has the role that um, it determines personal identity. So if you believe in a soul. So mm -hmm. if your soul goes into another body, then that becomes you. Right. Uh, like a, um, an organism that has your soul as you automatically. Mm hmm. So a soul is kind of like, it's like who you are is kind of like what you're getting out. Yeah. I mean, so, and you know, like, I don't know, this is, this is my view. And I think this is a common view in Western philosophy, right? Like what you are really essentially is a soul, mm -hmm. like a, a, a non-material object that is the subject of mental states. Like, there, so, you know, you have thoughts, feelings, desires, and so on, but there can't be, can't be a thought without a thing that is thinking the thought mm -hmm. okay now you might think oh well maybe like your brain is thinking the thought or you know maybe just the human organism is thinking the thought right which is what physicalists would say so then they would deny that there's a soul okay mm -hmm. but you know they're they're pretty good arguments against physicalism right? yeah you know mm -hmm. so i like, I wonder then, like, like with your view, like, how does the soul relate to consciousness? Um, like, is, is the soul just, like, our conscious experience? Or, like, is, like, is it a part of our consciousness? Um, like, like, how does it relate, like, when we're talking about the soul to, like, our, like, our conscious existence? Can you reference, like, physicalism? And I think that's going to kind of fall short. Yeah, I mean, consciousness is a property of the soul. Um, although, you know, you could be unconscious. So it's not... Uh, it's not an essential property of the soul, but so, you know, like consciousness is, um, it's often described by philosophers as, you know, the fact that you're conscious means there's something that it's like to be you. Mm -hmm. So there are certain, there are qualitative characteristics of your experience. These, these are the sort of characteristics that you can't really explain to somebody else unless they've had the same kind of experience. All right. So anyway, so there's that, there's the qualitative feel of experiences. And um, the soul is the thing that has those properties. It's the thing that has the mental properties, the thing that has the experiences and so on. And so, yeah, right. Anyway, so, okay. But so, you know, in, in like, in my paper that you read, um, I claim that you can exist while not conscious, right? So now mm -hmm. this is trivial if you think about like going to sleep, you know, you're asleep and not dreaming and almost everyone agrees that you still exist when you're asleep. Uh, and, you know, including the people who believe in souls, they think that your soul still exists when you're asleep and not, and not dreaming. Right. And so, but I claim also that you could still exist after you're dead. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's just like being asleep. Like yeah. Sleep for perhaps a long time and also having amnesia. Right, that's mm -hmm. what that is. Yeah. So it's like in your view, we have the soul. Like it's this thing um, that has properties, and amongst these properties is consciousness. Um, and that's kind of like how we can like exist and like be conscious. Um, but then like death isn't like death doesn't kill the soul. In your view, it's kind of like the soul keeps going, and like maybe it like goes to sleep for a little bit. Um, but the soul doesn't just go away as soon as like the organism of your body dies. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, my, you know, my claim and like. I had an earlier paper that argues this, um, people will be reincarnated. So there's a surprisingly strong argument that you're going to be reincarnated infinitely many times. Um, unfortunately, oh, and also you were incarnated infinite, infinitely many times in the past. Presumably you don't remember any of these. Mm -hmm. And uh, the reason is that, you know, memories are stored in your brain, which gets destroyed every time you die. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, you know, so like dying is like, getting amnesia and being unconscious until your next lifetime. Mm -hmm. So, you know, okay. You know, but, yeah. but the, you know, the soul is eternal. It was never created and it's never destroyed. Okay. Well, let's keep going into some of this. 
why I think we have a soul, Mike. So before we get into like the reasons for the reincarnation, like why I think that like we would have a soul in the first place. Um, I mean, so there are characteristics that people have that are interesting and that don't appear to be physical, right? Okay, so, you know, mental states have the property of intentionality, which is the property of representing something or being of or about something. So when you have a thought, the thought is a thought of something. Okay, and it's just like really hard to see how purely physical states, like there's just like a bunch of chemicals. It's hard to see how like a, a pile of chemicals can be about something, right? Mm -hmm. Representing something, okay. All yeah. right, so that, you know, one interesting characteristic. And then another interesting characteristic of people is um, we have qualia, which, as I say, is like the qualitative characteristics of experience, the fact that there's something that it's like to have a particular experience. Okay, now, you know, in contrast, there's nothing that it's like to be a rock. You know, rocks have properties, but there isn't anything that it's like to have that, to have, you know, whatever, five pounds mass or something like that. There's nothing that it's like to have a purely physical property. Okay. And then another interesting thing about people is uh, we have free will. And, um, and it's, it's hard to understand that in terms of like purely physical things going on in your body. So if you're just a physical and chemical mechanism, then it's hard to see how you could have something like free will. It's hard to see how, you know, any, any of your actions are not either predetermined or just random. Okay, yeah, that that's helpful, Mike, because you're trying to like press that like uh, we have all these like like these really good like ideas of like what the physical is like it's like this like stuff that like you can um, like you can see clearly whereas mental states are kind of different than that like they have this about like quality like you could think about um, like a physical object which like molecules like a molecule on itself like how does it get that like aboutness um, from it if we're just like our minds are like the product of molecules and whatnot okay is that right yeah yeah. Yeah, and, you know, by the way, like, um, you know, think about the physical properties that uh, chemicals and atoms have, you know, like they have locations in space and time and they have sizes and shapes and whatever and masses. Um, but, you know, your mind doesn't seem to have those properties. And like when you have a thought, um, your thought doesn't seem to have a size or a shape or a determinate location in space, right? Mm -hmm. And so... You know, just like the characteristics of physical things and mental things just on the face of it look very different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's super helpful, Mike. So we talked a little bit about like what kind of beings that we are. Like you're going to say that we're souls. Um, we're not having like some physicalist picture of the reality. So I'd love to like kind of start to dive in a little bit to this argument. Um, so your argument lies first off that like that we aren't like merely physical beings. Is that right? Like physical, if physicalism is true, your argument's in trouble. Um, I mean, my, like the belief that we have a soul just contradicts physicalism. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. I, I mean, but you know, I would say like, I wouldn't exactly say that my argument's in trouble. I would just say I have an argument against physicalism. <laughs> <laughs> okay. so if physicalism is true, then I'm wrong somehow. I don't know how. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I got you. Okay, so then the next thing you talked about is that your argument relies on like an infinite universe. Um, so first off, Mike, like, like, why think the universe is infinite in the past? Yeah, I mean, so sometimes you hear people say stuff about how like time was created, right? Sometimes people say, you know, God created time. Maybe God is outside time, and then he created time. Mm -hmm. And um, and I think that this is just a confused thought, right? Because you know, think about what it means to create time. Or think about what it means to create something, anything, right? Like, you know, okay, I, I made a cake. And what does that mean? Well, that means, okay, first there was no cake. And then I performed some action which caused a cake to exist, mm -hmm. right? So that means there was a time when there wasn't a cake. There was an action that I performed. And then there was a time when there was a cake. Right now, if I was going to create time, what I'd have to have is I'd have to start with a time when there's no time, and then I'd have to perform an action which would cause time to exist at a later time. And that's all incoherent. There can't mm -hmm. be a time when there's no time. And also, if you were outside time, you couldn't perform any actions because actions occur at times and you couldn't cause anything because there's a temporal relation between cause and effect. 
right? So like, so if there wasn't time, nothing could create time, right? Okay, now if you accept that, then you know you should realize that it's not only that God couldn't create time, like nothing could cause time, right? And so, okay, now you might think, um, okay, but maybe time has a beginning anyway, just nothing caused it. Time just begins at a certain time, you know, for no reason. Um, okay, but when you try to imagine time beginning, like uh, it's it's hard to not imagine, you know, time coming into existence. So you you think of it as time is going to start, and and when you imagine that, you know, you're imagining something incoherent, right? That's a confused thought. It's mm -hmm. like you're imagining the time when there's no time, followed by the time when there's time, right? Right? Okay. So, all right, you know, um, there are a bunch of there are arguments that people have for why there should be a beginning of time, and you know, I just don't think any of them are any good, right? So, like, you know, I could talk about that a little bit if you want. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, what you're trying to think about is like when you're saying that like the universe is infinite, um, you're kind of saying like the idea of there, like there just being no time is almost like maybe incoherent because if there was no time, then there wouldn't be like actions or anything like that and there just would be nothing but since there is something like there is like time am i tracking with you at all yeah i mean well so yeah obviously there is time now right mm -hmm. yeah. but um you know some people imagine that time began at a certain point and then you know i just want to point out that well nothing could explain that right mm -hmm. nothing could possibly explain time beginning because anything that was going to cause time to begin would have to be in time. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, so that would mean that there would have to be time when there was no time. Right. But so, you know, like um, the Orthodox, at least, at least for some time, the Orthodox view in cosmology was, um, you know, this ver particular version of the big bang theory that says, you know, time, literally space and time began 14 billion years ago. It was mm -hmm. like the, the moment of the Big Bang. That was like the first thing that ever happened. And yeah. there was nothing before that. And there's no explanation for that. And there can't be an explanation for that. Right. Because that was the beginning. <laughs> mm -hmm. okay. But anyway, and um, I just think that this is a super implausible theory. Like, like there were just, you know, there were just uh, a whole bunch of stuff, a whole bunch of mass energy in a tiny region moving outward. And that was the first thing that ever happened for no reason, right? Mm -hmm. I just think that's super implausible. Yeah, no, that would be weird to think that like there's just like this matter and energy is just there and it's just moving in from this like really tiny region for no reason at all. Like that would be implausible. Okay, um, so I'm just trying to fully understand like why you think the universe is infinite. Um, and you're pointing out like all these problems with like um, like a, like a finite universe and understanding. Is that kind of like the move you're making to show that it's infinite is showing that like if the universe is finite, we have a lot of different problems um, to wrestle with. Yeah, I mean, my thought is that like most of the time when people think that um, when people try to imagine a beginning of time, they're having incoherent thoughts. Right? Mm -hmm. You know, like when they say, well, God, God created time, maybe started time 14 billion years ago. That's incoherence. Okay, now the idea of a beginning of time is not itself actually a contradiction. Mm -hmm. It's just that like when you start thinking about it, the, the way that you imagine it is like it's, um, it's really hard to avoid having the incoherent thoughts. Okay, it's sort of like the idea of an edge of space. So that like the idea of, you know, finite space where like you could come to a, the limit of space and there's no space beyond that, that is not a formal contradiction but it does seem impossible. Like when you imagine, mm -hmm. you try to imagine like the, ed the edge of space is here. It seems like you could just, you could ask, okay, but like what's over here? And then, you know, past, past this point, which is said to be the last point. And it seems like, you know, there just would be something, there would be an answer to what was past that point. Even if the answer was that it was completely empty, there was nothing there, right? Okay, but that would just show that, that that wasn't the edge of space, right? And so like, it's not a formal contradiction because you can describe a mathematical structure, like, you know, you could describe a sphere. That's a consistent mathematical structure that has an edge or whatever, it has a limit, okay? So 
All right, so like it's not a formal contradiction to say that space has the structure of a sphere. But when you try to imagine, it just seems like it's impossible, right? And so like similarly, it's not a formal contradiction to say, you know, time began 14 billion years ago. But it's just that when you try to imagine that happening, it just seems like that couldn't be. It's like, it seems like there would have there would be an answer to, and what happened before that? Like, you know, and what was God doing before he created time, or right? Or whatever, whatever was supposed to have created time. It just seems like you could ask, you know, and what what before that? Mm -hmm. It's always, it's like, you're kind of thinking like, like there is like, it's almost like there's time before, like there's apparently no time. Cause you're asking like, what's there, like what's there before that. Um, like, like if you want to say that like God created time, you're like, well, like how is God creating if there's no time? Like, is he just like there? Like, what does that even mean? you're kind of like, that's the move that's happening here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how do people respond then to that? Mike, you hinted at that, like, like how do people like push back and say like, maybe like you're wrong, you know, like you may be the galactic emperor, but time is in fact finite. Like, like how are people going to push back on that? Um, I mean, some people say the past can't be infinite because there can't be an actual infinity or there can't mm -hmm. be a completed infinity. Right. And so, and you know, if, if there wasn't a beginning of time, then the past would be a completed actual infinity. Okay. And then you're like, oh, well, why can't there be a completed actual infinity? And, and then, you know, you're like people give examples of these paradoxes that result from imagining some infinite process being completed. Okay. But, um, you know, I think, I think there can be an actual complete infinity, right? And I think that this is shown every time an object moves from one point to another, because, mm -hmm. you know, per Zeno's paradox. Every time you move from point A to point B, you complete an infinite series. You go the first half of the distance, and then you go the next quarter of the distance, and then you go the next eighth of the distance, and et cetera. And this is an infinite series, but it gets completed every time something moves. So you can complete an infinite series. That's interesting. And that's a, like a thought that like, I've never, like I've never materialized, but like I thought about that, like when thinking about like actual infinities, like there is like, if you think about like, even like this, like little pen I have here, like there is an infinite like measurement distance almost. Cause like you could measure it as like one inch. Um, but from point A to point B, as you said, there's an actually like infinite number of like little points you can measure. Like you can never run out of like little like micro inches or whatever that word would be um, to measure how like big the pen is, which is, which is interesting. So yeah, I don't know. I think that interesting. So what do you think about like the science then? Like people who say like, well, Mike, we got this like cool science over here that's showing us that like uh, space and time have a beginning. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, like, so, I mean, first I should say not all cosmologists endorse the beginning of time theory, right? Some people have um, cyclical models of the universe where it goes mm -hmm. through um, just, you know, a cycle over and over again. Okay. So Roger Penrose is one of these people, the um, mathematician and, you know, occasionally cosmologist. Uh, so according to Penrose, um, so he's, he's done like calculations to figure out what the probability is of the universe starting in the state that we think it was in at the time of the Big Bang. So to speak, if you were to imagine picking a starting state of a universe at random, right? And so, and because like, there's no explanation of why the starting state should be what it is. If, right, if indeed there was a beginning, there couldn't be any explanation of why it was in that state at the beginning. Okay, so anyway, so if you just pick some random starting state, the probability of it being the one that we think it, the universe was in at the time of the Big Bang is about one over 10 to the 10 to the 124 power. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is a very small number. <laughs> this is extremely improbable. Uh, and it seems to me like unsatisfactory to have a theory where you say that just like for no reason, this thing with a probability of you know, one over 10 to the 10 to the 124 happen. That's it, mm -hmm. no explanation. Okay, and if you think that that's a good theory, um, I have a better theory, which is maybe the universe began in the year 1950, because that could happen that, you know, like if, if you're into stuff beginning at some time for no reason and just having a certain state for no reason at that time, why not just have the universe begin in 1950 in the state mm -hmm. that it was actually in at that time 
Like that's just as plausible as the Big Bang, you know, starting yeah. in that state 14 billion years ago. And by the way, actually, the 1950 theory is more probable than the Big Bang theory. <laughs> it's Why more that? probable because the state the universe was in in 1950 is more probable than the state that it was in at the uh, in 14 billion BC. Mm. And the way that I know that is um, the entropy law, right? Entropy has been increasing since the time of the Big Bang. It's increased a lot. And higher entropy states are more probable states, right? That kind of is what entropy means, right? The fact that you're in a higher entropy state means that you're in an intrinsically more probable state. Okay, so the 1950 theory is um, intrinsically more probable than the Big Bang theory, right? Mm -hmm. Now, by the way, in, just to clarify, because I have had a student misunderstand this. I am not saying the universe began in 1950. <laughs> that is not my view, right? Mm -hmm. um, you're supposed to think that, you know, the 1950 theory is absurd, but it's more probable than the Big Bang theory. So the Big Bang theory is absurd. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's interesting to get your mind around. Um, so why not say like, why say like compared to your view, like, like, or not your like saying that like someone says like well like the universe just began at the big bang or like the universe began at 1950 are these ideas in your mind more probable than like maybe someone that says like oh it's just a quantum field caused the big bang there's our story or like god caused the big bang there's our story like are those views of something causing the big bang are they less probable in your view or are they incoherent because of the time thing that you're going to get back at um yeah just curious yeah. your thoughts there well i mean something could have caused the big bang but you know in my view there's always something before that so mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, like there are cyclical models of the universe where, uh, you know, like in, in one version, there's like a big crunch, you know, the universe collapses and then it explodes again, whatever. In, and Penrose has a, you know, weird version where, okay, the universe goes to thermal equilibrium and everything turns into radiation. And then somehow like at the last moment when everything is just radiation, it then turns into another big bang. Right. Mm -hmm. It doesn't collapse. It just immediately just is another Big Bang. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so um, like what I'm like, I'm not objecting to um, something caused the Big Bang. I'm not objecting to the Big Bang having happened. I'm objecting to the idea that it happened for no reason. Okay. That it was just like that at the beginning and there was nothing before that. There's always something mm -hmm. before and it just goes back forever. Why? So why think then that like the universe being infinite is like more probable than there being maybe like something necessary like god or quantum field causing maybe that state and that's what explains everything um like is it going back to like i'm just trying to understand that like is it going back to the time thing like yeah where are you going with that i mean you know like what what if god created the universe in 14 billion bc okay um but you know like per what i've been saying previously assume that time is nevertheless infinite so what was God doing before he created the universe? Mm -hmm. Was he sitting around? He was just sitting around doing nothing for an infinite amount of time. Why would he do that? And by the way, if that was true, then why would he suddenly create a universe? After sitting around for infinity years with no universe, why does he suddenly make a universe in 14 billion BC? Right? Because mm -hmm. nothing has changed, right? Because it's yeah. like infinite time and there's no universe and there's only God. So there's no reason for him to do that at that time. Yeah. So like the only thing that makes sense is that um, it's eternal. Like the universe is eternal. It just goes back forever. Okay. Yeah, that's helpful. So we talked about, well, anything else you want to say, Mike, with regards to the point on the universe being infinite before we get into like recurrence and whatnot? I'm sorry. Say again. Is there anything else you want to say on the universe oh. being infinite or forever? Um, yeah. I mean, and I, and I guess, you know, it's also important that the future is infinite, but nobody really disagrees about that. Like some people mm -hmm. think the past has a beginning, but uh, almost no one thinks that the future has an end. So, yeah. Interesting. It would be simpler to say, I think almost that like if the, you know, if the past is, or if the future is infinite, it makes sense that the past is all infinite. Like there is, it seems to me like there would be some sort of like simplicity point you could make there um, when thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you might think like, why would you believe in an infinite future, but not an infinite past, right? But, you know, I, I guess like there's a, there's a philosophical argument, which is the infinite past is a completed infinity and the infinite mm -hmm. future isn't a completed infinity, right? It's mm -hmm. never completed, it's, you know, yeah. it's, there's always more future, so. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, 
so let's get into this. Let's say like like we are these souls um, that aren't going to be like destroyed by the physical death of our body. Um, the past is infinite. Like there isn't you know, some beginning to the time. It's just been going uh, infinite into the past. Um, how is this going to lead to recurrence? Like what does it mean for the infinite past to lead to recurrence? And like how does how is this the case? You know, so like a number of people have thought that um, there's some there's some kind of eternal recurrence, right? Uh, so Nietzsche got famous for this for introducing the idea, but it goes back at least to Seneca in ancient Rome. Um, so like a lot of people thought the universe goes through cycles and everything that happens, happens again. Okay, now mm -hmm. probably um, the reason why philosophers have thought this might've involved a fallacy. So yeah. um, um, apparently, apparently Nietzsche and other people thought that the universe was going to exactly repeat the exact state that it's in now would occur again. And after that, everything that happens after now would also repeat exactly, right? Okay, mm -hmm. but that is not guaranteed because so yeah. the fallacy that the philosophers were probably making was um, thinking that there's only finitely many possible states for the world to be in, but there aren't. There's yeah. infinitely many possible states. So there being infinitely many possible states means that um, the world can just continue forever without ever exactly repeating the same state. However, um, it does have to come close, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, like think about um, think about like a region of space and think about moving through this region of space at, at some speed forever. You can move through a finite region of space forever without intersecting your own path again. However, mm -hmm. you do have to come close to hitting your own path, right? You have to go yeah. arbitrarily close to your starting point if you continue moving around forever. Okay. So, all right. So there's basically a theorem to that effect. It does assume that the, um, that the universe is confined to a limited region. So if the universe expands outward forever, then it will never come, it will never repeat and it will never come close to repeating. Okay, but assuming that it doesn't expand outward forever um, and you know, like there's some limited um, spatial region that the world stays within, um, it has to come close to repeating. All right, so it has to approximately repeat. So at some time in the future, there'll be two people doing a podcast who will look like you and me. Right? Mm -hmm. They will not be in exactly the state we're in, but they'll be in like, really close stake right? yeah okay and so my thought is um yeah you know at some time in the future when there's a person who's sufficiently similar to me that will actually literally count as another copy of me mm -hmm. right so like i don't i don't know what the requirements are for a person to count as me yeah right? you know but whatever they are um it's either a zero probability event or a non-zero probability event. Okay, yeah. if it's a zero probability event, then I shouldn't be here, but I am here. Mm -hmm. So if it's a non-zero probability event, then it's guaranteed to occur again, given infinite time, mm -hmm. right? Everything that has a non-zero probability occurs eventually in given infinite time. So does that mean like there's an infinite amount of like Mike, so there's definitely like a future Mike Humor walking around somewhere, but like given an infinite amount of time, wouldn't there, could there be like an infinite amount of Mike Humors running yeah. around in the future? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So like, you know, the next Mike Humor who shows up, he could give the same argument that there's going to be another one after him. <laughs> and it just yeah. goes on like that forever, right? And by the way, it also goes that way into the past forever. Mm -hmm. There's an infinite chain of Mike Humors telling everyone that this is the way and apparently no one else is buying on. And that's just the cycle of the universe forever and ever and ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like uh, in you know, maybe different things happen in different um, different lifetimes. You know, like maybe sometimes I don't discover the argument, right? Then mm -hmm. you know, other times maybe you discover the argument and whatever. <laughs> so, what we're thinking about then with recurrence is like you're like for simplicity, state, just thinking about the future, like given an infinite past there's gonna be an infinite future so there's an infinite amount of time for stuff to happen and like maybe the universe just keeps expanding um then it contracts and it keeps going and, like if there's a non-zero probability of something happening then it's gonna happen like if there's a non-zero probability of like me existing again then it's gonna happen um and given that the future is infinite like there's not just like it happens once in the universe like closes up shop and shuts down it's gonna keep happening and it's gonna actually happen an infinite amount of times so there's an infinite period of time 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, so go go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I mean, like, so you know, apparently um, Nietzsche assumed that there was. So he thought there was going to be an eternal recurrence, and he assumed that the future copies of you will literally be the same person. Um, but this is not obvious. So you might think, well, why not think that the future things that look just like me will just be copies of me, but not actually me. They'll just be people who look like me, right? Mm -hmm. You know, just like how if you have an identical twin, there are identical twins and they're not the same people, right? Different yeah. people. Okay, so like maybe the future me will be like the identical twin of me, but it won't literally be me, right? Okay, and now I think Nietzsche's answer to this maybe was that actually, no, time is circular. So the future copy of you actually is not a distinct token. Mm -hmm. And the, because the, the future time at which the future you exist is not actually a different time. It's the same time. Right? Yeah. So, okay. But anyway, now I think this is metaphysically impossible, right? Mm -hmm. But be that as it may, like that could be why he didn't think he needed an argument that the future copies of you will literally be you, right? Okay. But... Um, this is undermined by the fact that um, there's no exact recurrence. There's only an approximate recurrence, right? And so there's a continuous infinity of possible states for a physical system to be in, right? Like you could even have just like, even the simplest physical system, like two particles, there's a continuous infinity of states because there's a distance between them and the distance is a real number. And so there's a continuous infinity of possible values, right? So Right. So like, that's why you don't, the universe should not be expected to ever exactly repeat a state. And that prevents you from saying that it's literally the same time. Right. And so that prevents you from saying time is circular. So actually it's linear. Right. Mm -hmm. So then you do need the argument that the future things that look like you are literally going to be you. Right. But, okay. Yeah. But you know, the, the argument there is, well, if the conditions for something to count as me, are so demanding that they have a probability zero, right? Like if you have to hit a specific point um, in the state space, you know, which has probability zero, then I shouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. okay? And I know for certain that I am here, right? So that disconfirms any theory which implies that the probability of me being here would be zero. Like any yeah. theory that implies that I know is false with 100% certainty. Okay. I think I'm tracking with you. So we have this recurrence um, where like the past is in the past and the future. Uh, it's going to keep happening and we're going to keep like coming into existence because there's a non-zero probability. So how is this then going to like lead us into this like reincarnation idea that you've been talking about, Mike? Oh, I mean, so the, you know, the idea about there being another copy of a person who looks just like me is one possible account of how reincarnation occurs. Right, like maybe, you know, like, I don't know, I don't know what the right theory of personal identity is, okay? But, you know, maybe what's essential to your identity is a particular brain configuration, right? And so like at some future time that brain configuration will recur. And so then you will exist again, right? Sometime long after the death of the current body, right? Okay, but you know, like, I don't know, there could be other theories, right? So, you know, maybe it's just like, um, maybe your soul just come leaves your body when you die, and then maybe God just decides to put your soul into another body. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so like, I'm not saying that um, when you're reincarnated, it's definitely going to be another person who looks a lot like you, right? Yeah. Like, for all I know, it, you could be reincarnated in a completely different body. Right? Like, mm -hmm. maybe sometime you'll be reincarnated as a cat, and just <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any way of ruling that out. Yeah. Okay. That's helpful. So how is like, like, I'm trying to think about how this is working, Mike. So we have like our, our soul, um, which you say is like immaterial. Um, and like trying to think about how it might come together with like another body in the future. Like, is it like, how's this working? Cause like the only picture I have in my mind, which I'm sure wouldn't be the case is like your soul is kind of just like immaterially just like floating around and then it just like bumps into a body. It's like, Oh wait, sweet. Here we go. I got a body again. Here we go. Um, <laughs> let's do it all over again. Like, how is this working where the souls and the bodies are like coming together? Um, oh yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, so I don't know, and nobody else does either, right? Um, <laughs> so, I mean, presumably there's some kind of, there. so there are laws of nature that describe the causal relationships between things. We know a lot of the laws of nature. We know a bunch of laws that relate physical things to other physical things. But also, there are some psychophysical laws which we have not discovered. We know that they must exist because we know that the mind affects the body and vice versa. So there must be some mm -hmm. laws describing the causal relations, but we don't actually know what the laws are. Okay. So anyway, so like I would, I would have to like be an amazing, you know, scientist and like we would have to have the psychophysical mm -hmm. science that we don't have to actually explain the conditions in which um, a body gets connected to a soul and, and thereby, you know, a conscious person is created. Right. But anyway, like, so, you know, all I could say is, well, some physical stuff happens that causes things um, to happen in a mind, right? Yeah. So we're looking at these psychophysical laws and saying, there's something here. We just don't really know it because we don't have the science to get there yet. Um, but there's something here that could do the work of like trying to confirm this. So, okay. That's helpful, Mike. So anything else you want to say about reincarnation? I'd love to get some objections and kind of questions I have as we go. Um, yeah. Anything else about reincarnation first though? Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's an amazing <laughs> idea. <laughs> right. I think, I think this is true. By the way, I think this is like, um, this is part of a broader point, you know, so given that time is infinite, just the universe in general cannot be headed in a specific direction. Rather given, inf given that time is infinite in both directions, it has to be cyclical. Mm -hmm. Right. So like if the universe was headed in a certain direction, it would already be there. It would already be the maximum distance in that direction. Right. Or, you know, for, for any place it could be, it wouldn't be there. It'd be farther along. Right. Okay. Right? So like, for example, if it was actually true that entropy always increases and never decreases, we would be in thermal equilibrium right now. Like we would be in the maximum entropy state because there's been an infinite amount of time. So like we would have reached that given infinite time, and then we would never have deviated. So, okay. So it can't be true that ent entropy always increases. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's helpful, Mike. I'd love to get into some objections now. So one of the things that you talked about is like the heat death of the universe. Um, so yeah. like say the universe is like progressing towards some like heat death where the universe just dies. Like how would you, like what is this objection? How would you respond to it? Yeah. So, you know, like you read in the physics book, physics books, you read um, entropy constantly increases when they will actually say always, they will actually literally have the word always. And they will literally have the word never like entropy never decreases. Okay. And that is yeah. known to be false, right? Including known by physicists to be false, right? Like mm -hmm. including the people who say it, they know that it's false, right? Yeah. Because when they give the explanation for why the entropy law is true, it's probabilistic. Right. Okay. So there's a there's a part like and the argument implies that there's a non-zero, albeit extremely small, probability of entropy spontaneously decreasing. Mm -hmm. Right. Like so, you know, if there's um, you know, you put some milk in your coffee and then like the milk disperses throughout the coffee, and you never see the milk once dispersed gather back together in the center, right? Okay, mm -hmm. so you know, so that's an example of how entropy goes in one way, right? But then when they give the explanation of why this is true, it, it implies that, well, it's just that it's extremely improbable for the milk to gather together, mm -hmm. right? Because, you know, the explanation involves, well, the, part, the milk particles and the coffee particles are just like moving around randomly. And basically, um, the situation where it looks like milk is evenly distributed throughout the coffee um, that that situation corresponds to the overwhelming majority of possible distributions of coffee and milk particles. Okay. <laughs> you randomly distribute coffee and milk particles in the mug. Almost all of them have their milk looking like it's evenly distributed. Okay. And mm -hmm. so, and there's just a tiny portion of them that don't. So if the particles are just moving around randomly, uh, it's very improbable within a limited time like within a human lifetime that you're going to see the milk gathered together in the middle. Mm -hmm. But given infinite time, it's certain that it happens, right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. actually, yeah. So actually given infinite time, eventually the universe will be in a lower entropy state, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, like, um, and, you know, okay, like, 
as a matter of fact, the number of the number of times the universe transitions from low entropy to high entropy has to be equal to the number of times that it transitions from high to low entropy. Mm -hmm. Right, in, just sort of like in overall time in the overall infinite timeline, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, that's helpful, Mike. Thinking about the idea of like you're saying, like guys, like like even if there is this science like right now showing that like the universe is progressing to heat death, we have to like kind of be like, well, we have this like little perspective here. So we have infinite time. Like maybe it will go to like to heat death, but given like this idea of infinite time, well, like it's very likely. Um, maybe not even likely like a certainty that like things will come back together again and we'll have something like a universe eventually given infinite time because it's not like you run out of time um for things to come back together yeah, yeah by the way like i don't i don't know if your viewers know what the heat death is supposed to be right like maybe we just mm -hmm. say that i don't know yeah uh, like, yeah i mean so the heat death is the maximum possible entropy state right which um which i believe is a situation in which um everything is just radiation spreading through space okay mm -hmm. it's just, just like a bunch of photons right and so like yeah. what you, what cosmologists are expecting to happen is eventually like you know all this all the stars in the universe burn out and then eventually they all fall into giant black holes and then these black holes are just sitting there for a really ridiculously long time but the black holes very slowly evaporate via Hawking radiation. So black holes let out a small amount, a very small amount of radiation. And like mm -hmm. eventually the entire mass of all the black holes um, is turned into radiation. And so mm -hmm. then, and then that's the final, that's the final state of the universe. We're just going to be like that for a really long time. Mm -hmm. Okay. But as I say, we've got infinite time. So if time is infinite, then eventually, you know, like just spontaneously, maybe the radiation gathers together and you know and then creates another big bang or something okay now yeah. i'm not saying that that is like the that's not the most plausible version of how the big bang happened right that it right because that's like a super low probability event right? yeah so you know i don't know how the big bang happened it probably wasn't like that but if if there's <laughs> nothing else then eventually that would happen mm -hmm. okay yeah that's helpful mike so what about the the, the guy that says yo like Galactic Emperor, dude, physicalism is true, bro. Like, come on. The brain just causes the mind. Um, don't you know that, like, if you get in a car wreck, like, your mental state changed because your brain state changed? Um, doesn't physicalism just, like, destroy everything here and, like, waste the past, like, 47 minutes of our lives? Um, <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, um, you know, is physicalism compatible with, with reincarnation? Well, it depends on your view of... Um, personal identity, right? So you could have a physicalist view that's compatible with reincarnation. It's not a, yeah. it wouldn't be a popular version of physicalism, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, maybe a person is um, what what we call a gappy space-time worm, right? Yeah. So, and by the way, like physicalists already, like it's, it's already pretty common to say that a person is a space-time worm, right? Which is, so, so to speak, like, you know, there's this stuff happening at different locations in time, right? And sort of, you draw a line around the spatio-temporal region that your life occupies and you say, that's you, okay? Anyway, so, well, but you could also take that plus like the next thing that's going to look like you at some time in the future, you could take like the, um, the fusion of those two things, right? Mm -hmm. and, it's like, and you could say that that's you instead of just the first one, right? And then yeah. actually you could take the collection of all of them spread throughout time. You know, there's this infinite series of these space-time worms. You could take that collection and say that that's what you are. Okay. So you exist all these different times. Okay. Now I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not saying that that's like a really plausible theory, but it is like, that's, if you were really committed to physicalism, that's what you should think. Okay. Because I already gave an argument for reincarnation, right? Like I already gave the mm -hmm. argument that um, reincarnation is hundred percent likely. Okay, yeah. so like if if you have a theory that implies that um, reincarnation is impossible, then your theory has just been refuted. That's all, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. <clears throat> okay, so this is helpful, Mike, because you're trying to like look at this and you're kind of thinking that. Well, here, here's here's a thought. So, like, couldn't you say like say like you're a physicalist, but you also think the universe is infinite, like going in the past and in the future? Could you say like well, like given like an infinite future, like it. Like it's likely or it's certain that like eventually like maybe like your like the atoms or like the DNA would line up perfectly um, or like whatever causes the mind in the future and like cause another you to exist. And maybe 
this time instead of maybe like being reincarnated, it'd be like a, a clone of you almost. Um, could you say that if you're a physicalist? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, like the, the question would be whether that thing counts as literally you, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like, you know, given infinite time, it will definitely happen, right? Given infinite yeah. time, there will definitely be another person with my genetic code. Okay, now, you know, maybe being me requires more than just having my genetic code, all right? But whatever else you want to add in, that's also going to happen. You know, my genetic code plus like a particular brain configuration at the time of birth or whatever, whatever you want to add in, that will also happen eventually given infinite time. So, okay. All right, but so... And then, you know, you just have like some theory about what makes something count as you. And the theory mm -hmm. either makes um, the occurrence of you a zero probability event or a non-zero probability event, right? Like those are the only two possibilities, okay? And if the theory makes the occurrence of you a zero probability event, then the theory has been refuted by the fact that you're here, okay? And if mm -hmm. it makes it a non-zero probability event, then with 100% certainty, the event will happen again. So just you know yeah hmm, that's interesting so maybe another idea here mike is like look at like dualism here like what's wrong with someone that says maybe like a soul is something that's attached only to your body like once your body's gone um your soul like can't attach to anything else um so there's going to be no reincarnation like what what's wrong with, like why how would you respond to this kind of idea yeah and you know like um Basically, that's refuted by the fact that you're here now, right? So, mm -hmm. like, so the theory basically says that you're being incarnated and then dying prevents you from living at any future time, right? Yeah. Okay. But if that's true, then you shouldn't be here now because there's an infinite past also. And in the infinite mm -hmm. past, there would have been a time when you were incarnated. <laughs> and so, therefore, that would prevent you from being here now. Right. And so like, and this is the problem with any theory, according to which, you know, you're dying at a particular time prevents you from living at a future time. Right. Like yeah. anything that's happening, you know, should have happened previously. Because mm -hmm. given the infinite past, like, like everything that could happen has already happened. So like you existing, like would have already happened in the past, given like an infinite past and then you would be here. Is that kind of the idea? Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, you know, but so you are here now. Right. And so. Mm -hmm. Right, and okay, and this brings up why an infinite past is required for the argument, right? Because mm -hmm. you know, you could say maybe my existing is a non-zero probability event, but there's only been finite time. Like if you think there's a finite past, then you could go, yeah, so it hadn't happened er earlier, and so now mm -hmm. it's happening for the first time, and then now maybe that prevents it from happening ever again. Okay, like given infinite past, we can't say that. So like it would have happened in the past, and so then, you know. You are being here now proves that it can happen more than once. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Um, what about like the idea, Mike, that this is very intrinsically unlikely? So I don't know if there's a lot of people like there's definitely like a lot of like major religions that would have subscribed to some form of like reincarnation. Um, but like your view specifically, maybe not. So a lot of people might look at this and be like, what? There's no way um like how do you respond to like like this idea like someone that says like like there's just no way this is true this is kind of like there's a lot of things happening here um it's just intrinsically unlikely yeah i mean well i don't know if it's intrinsically unlikely but you know my argument only requires a non-zero probability if you're yeah. assigning a non-zero initial probability to reincarnation then um that probability gets boosted up to 100 percent, right <laughs> there's like you know there's a bayesian calculation here right and yeah. but the key point is probability of you being here now, if people can't be reincarnated, is zero. Right. And okay. And that depends upon the infinite past. So you could think maybe I'm wrong about that. So, all right. But yeah. anyway, other than that, but, but I don't think that people regard an infinite past as super unlikely. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's a, that's a pretty common view. By the way, if you think reincarnation seems really implausible, um, that's probably a culturally specific view. Right. You probably think that because, you know, like you were taught some ideology or, or religion in your culture, but actually like many people throughout history have believed in reincarnation. They didn't think it was super implausible. So like you really shouldn't assign like a, a super low probability to something that like billions of people believe. Mm -hmm. Okay. So again, you're like, you're pointing out like 
I want to just go back to the idea you talked about, like the past being infinite and like the probabilities of like reincarnation. So you're saying like, if the universe is infinite here, um, then the probability of like you existing at this point um, is if you exist, you'd have to have existed at some point in the past um, because the past is infinite. And like, that's going to give the work that's going to be like, well, then reincarnation is true. Is that right? Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like, I mean, if you could only, if you could only live once in all of time and time is infinite, what's the probability that you'd be alive specifically now yeah. at this time? So the answer is mm-hmm. zero, right? Yeah. Um, like, yeah, right. So like, because there's an infinite amount of other times when you could live, right? And in particular, mm-hmm. an infinite amount of previous times when you could live, which would have prevented you from being here now. So, yeah. Okay. Um, the next thing I'm wondering, Mike, is like thinking about like the soul. So let's say the soul is like something that's not created, uh, like this immaterial thing that's like always existed. Like, so when we're thinking about like our idea of like what is reality, or like maybe like what what's just always existed, you're gonna say like there's like these billions upon trillions, or you know who knows? It'd be hard to put a number on it of these just like uncreated souls that have just like always existed in the past and they always will exist, and like that's just kind of like part of like just the structure of reality, and it's just that's what it is. Yeah. So you know it's. This, this leads to what's, what's regarded as a weird view by contemporary philosophers, right? That you exist <laughs> when you're dead and before you were born, you existed. You were just unconscious, right? You existed in an mm-hmm. unconscious state, perhaps for an extremely long time. And that also means that, you know, there's like a large number of disembodied souls right now. They're undetectable, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so if you have... If you have a child, what you're doing is not creating a person, you're causing an unconscious soul to become conscious, right? Mm-hmm. Causing it to be embodied, right? So yeah. like, you know, before, before you have the kid, like he was a disembodied soul and mm-hmm. just sitting there experiencing nothing, you know, waiting around yeah. to become embodied. Mm-hmm. That is interesting because it makes you think about like, like birth and whatnot, like with this view, it's like, well, there is this, like this unconscious soul. And like when the process of a child coming out comes, um, whatever psychophysical laws are causing like the souls to be conjoined to the bodies, like they kick in and boom, this person just comes back from like waking up from sleep. And it's kind of like, that's what's happening here. Yeah. So, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, was, you know, like, I mean, just to sort of like pump your intuitions that it's possible to exist as a disembodied soul, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so like, you know, first thing is you might think, oh, well, maybe losing your memories makes um, makes the thing not count as you, right? Like maybe when you lose your memories and then there's another, quote, copy of you, it doesn't count as you because it doesn't have your memories. But so to refute that, you know, just consider a case where you get amnesia. Um, that's not equivalent to death, right? Like if you yeah. could choose between having amnesia and having death, you choose the amnesia. Okay, by the way, there are, there are cases in reality where people get amnesia now and they forget things about their personal identity. So like they forget who they are mm-hmm. and they lose their episodic memories. And, you know, luckily they don't like lose language and stuff like that. So they remember general facts they've learned, but they lose facts about themselves. Okay. Anyway. Uh, and then usually they regain their memories after like a few days or something. Yeah. So, okay. And so once they regain their memories, then it's definitely the same person. Mm-hmm. But also that shows that, um, before they regained the memories, it was also the same person. Right? Mm-hmm. So, I, okay, so like say, you know, A is the person, the original person before they have an accident, and then B is right after an accident where they have amnesia, and then C is after they regain their memories, okay? So um, B is the same person as C, right? Mm-hmm. So like a person a- after regaining the memories is the same as the person right after the accident, okay? And C yeah. is the same person as A, which almost, which everyone agrees with. So therefore, B is the same person as A, right? So mm-hmm. that shows that the person in the state after, after they've lost their memories, before they regain the memories, um, is the same as the original person, okay? So it is possible to exist while not having your memories. Yeah. To me, that makes sense. Mike, the thing that, that's weird to me is thinking about, like, the psychophysical laws that could bring it about, or, like, well, that soul that's kind of just there um it's like reaching with the body every time and like it's a mystery and like that, that, i think it's fine to have mysteries in your worldview but i'm like that's just interesting like, how does that like who knows and i guess you'd be like that you would have discovered the nature of consciousness like you set out to do if you had the answer to that so you know 
That's right. Yeah. I, and I would like to know, you know, like I would like mm -hmm. to know because like maybe I could do something to cause myself to be embodied, you know, um, more, more quickly. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. By the way, I don't yeah. know how long it takes, you know, to be reincarnated after your, after your death. Uh, I don't know if it's instantaneous or if it takes like a Google Plex years, right? Yeah. Because if you have to wait for, um, you know, like a repetition of something close to the exact state that you were in at the time that you were most recently conceived, you know, that could take like a ridiculously long time, right? Could take yeah. like a 10 to the 100 years or something. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's helpful. So something else I'm wondering on Mike and I think I kind of have your answer based off of what we talked about, but I wrote this down is like, so right now the universe is kind of expanding like outwards almost. Um, what if the universe just like kept expanding outwards, like infinitely into the future? Like it just kept going outwards, never got closer together. And it seems like if that's the case, then like there's not going to be a state where like our physical existence comes into being again. And then like, we're in trouble. Like I'm guessing you're going to respond. Well, if there's like an infinite past, you can kind of like get around this, but I'm just curious your thoughts here. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that's right. Like, if the universe just expands outward forever, then um, there will there will be no recurrence, and so then you know, like, eventually there will be no life forever. Okay, but mm -hmm. um, I mean, my argument would be, yeah, but that just is not the case, right? And mm -hmm. the way that I know that that's not the case is that, well, uh, there's an infinite past, and so if it was always expanding outward, it would be larger than it currently is. Yeah. <laughs> In an infinite amount of time, it would be infinitely large. And it's not. It's large, but it's not mm -hmm. infinitely large. Right. Yeah. Okay. And, th and that's to say, you know, whatever, the observable universe. Okay. So I'm not saying that there's not other stuff out beyond the observable universe. Maybe there are other universes that are far away, whatever. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, this universe would already be infinitely large um, if, it if it always expanded outward. Mm. Does your view, Mike, like, does it depend on any specific view of, like, what time is? Um, or, like, are you good? Like, A theory, B theory, doesn't matter. Like, time, like, whatever. We can roll with whatever and have my view be true. Uh, I mean, it just requires a view on which it's infinite in both the past and the future. Um, mm -hmm. I think, are there any views in metaphysics of time that would reject this argument? I don't know. I'm, you know, other than, like, there's a beginning of time. I mean, you yeah. know, like... Maybe presentists would say, no, time is finite if, in fact, there's only one point of it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. But, you know, like um, that would only create a problem for my argument if it entails totally absurd conclusions, right? That would refute the theory, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, like if, if the theory implies that there's not an infinite past, whatever, like, you know, whatever your view of time is, if it, prevents there from being an infinite past you know like does it prevent there from being like a five minutes ago because because like, you know like like if there couldn't have been something before the big bang then why could there be something before now like right if your claim is oh only the present exists then okay that means there wasn't even five minutes ago and and then i just think that you know and then does that mean that we haven't actually been talking you know? yeah <laughs> You thought we were talking for an hour, but actually we have not been talking for any time. <laughs> and then I think that's just absurd, right? So yeah. anyway, like, you know, the views that would undermine my argument would also be absurd views. That's helpful. So I wonder, like, like here's an interesting question. Like, obviously, like, we, we think evil is a big problem. Like, evil is something we want to minimize, right? And, like, we don't want to just, like, let terrible things happen. Like, given an infinite, like, future, doesn't that mean that, like, every possible horrendous act of evil is going to happen like given a few infinite like future like we kind of look at the like mm -hmm. evil and it's like well i guess everything that is possibly mm -hmm. horrific that could be happen is just going to happen uh yeah well so every non-zero probability event happens which includes mm -hmm. every bad event that has non-zero probability and every good event that has non-zero probability so you know <laughs> look at the yeah. bright side right <laughs> um yeah okay now uh but the thing is like will so you might have this ethical problem. You might think, oh, so like the total value, if you're like a utilitarian or whatever consequentialist, you might think, so the total value of the universe is infinite. It's either plus infinity or minus infinity, right? It's, um, you know, it's not likely to be a finite number. And so if what you're supposed to do ethically is like maximize the value of the universe, then there's nothing for you to do. 
It's like whatever you yeah. do is not going to change it from infinity yeah. to anything else, right? Mm -hmm. So then there's no reason to do anything or not do anything. Okay. Yeah. But um, okay, and this, you know, this might be like a refutation of that view. Like maybe you should just give up that ethical theory. Or, you know, you should modify the theory, right? Like mm -hmm. what a per what a consequentialist would say is probably, well, what you should do is maximize the value of the consequences of your own actions. And, um, yeah. and you know, like, and maybe I should add your own actions in this lifetime. Right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and that's finite and it can get larger or smaller. So, you know, do that. Like try not to actually do any evil yourself, you know, you know try to do good things. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're trying to think then like, like what, like why don't I think that like, we like, there should be like more action. If like your actions ultimately don't like change the infinite course of events because events just keep happening infinitely. And it's like focusing on like what you can do in like this present moment. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, suppose there's an infinite number of people and you know, whatever, all of them, they're all at a welfare level one. Okay. And so the mm -hmm. total is infinity. Okay. But anyway, you know, you meet this one particular person and like, um, you know, you could give him a cookie, which would raise his welfare level from one to two. Should you do it? Yes. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, <laughs> we benefit that yeah. person, right? And, you know, stipulate that there are no negative consequences, whatever. All that happens is that guy goes up to two and everyone else is still at one. So the total mm -hmm. is still infinity. So you didn't increase the total. Yes, but you did benefit a person. And like, that's enough of a reason to do it, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's helpful, Mike. So here's something else like a little different but like do dogs have souls uh yes so i mean any any being that has consciousness has um an immaterial component that's the thing that has the conscious states right mm -hmm. and by the way i'm not saying that dogs are self-aware I, I don't know i don't really know what's in the mind of a dog but i assume that they have a mind like i assume that they have um some kind of beliefs they have some kind of desires right like the dog mm -hmm. gets excited when it's time to go for a walk. So it has experiences, right? Mm -hmm. And so like, if you have an immaterial component, which is the thing that has those experiences, then the dog has one of those too. Okay, that's helpful. Um, that's a, it's been a lot of fun, Mike, and there's a lot of different things that we've talked about here. Do you have anything else you want to talk about with regards to like souls and reincarnation or anything like that? Because I feel like we got a good grounding of like everything happening mm -hmm. here. No, no, yeah, that's good. <laughs> okay, well, sounds good, Mike. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you and your time. Um, there's a lot of like fun, interesting things to chew about here. Um, maybe we'll just keep on chewing on them. So, thanks for coming on. How can people like follow with you, connect with you, things like that? Oh yeah, I have a blog called Fake News on Substack. So, sub uh, spelled F A K E N O U S dot substack dot net or is it com or net anyway okay anyway look up look up my blog and mm -hmm. uh, you know also my website and you know my amazon authors page and stuff like that yeah well i'll put a link down below where people can follow mike and his blog um and whatnot because i know you do so much stuff and it's like you do this philosophy of mind stuff but you've done a lot of like like philosophy of like politics and like i was looking you up and like you're in wikipedia is like libertarianism it's like you're one of the people like you're like libertarianism it's like oh Mike Humor, he's there. He's one of the guys. Um, so That's right, yeah. I've written about a lot <laughs> of things. Everybody should go and buy all of my books. You know, <laughs> spend like gazillions of dollars because of academic book pricing. You know, so you yeah, spend a gazillion dollars. And I mean, you know, if you if the future is infinite, then you really do actually own a gazillion dollars. It's just not all at the moment because you possess yeah, yeah. all the money. And you know, to be clear, I'm urging you to spend money in this lifetime. <laughs> uh, well. Thank you so much for coming on today, Mike. I really appreciate you and your time. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for coming on today. Appreciate it. Great. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Hope you have a good one. Um, this is here in Apologetics. If you're new, subscribe, leave a like, all that fun stuff, and we'll catch you next time. God bless.